Hey everybody, welcome to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. With me this week is Michael Watson of the... Oh, I lost it. Abaddon? <laughs> Abaddon Studios. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, everyone, you can just go ahead and turn it off right now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, hey, buddy. How you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me here. No problem. Uh, we met over at Prest um, because I remember... I, I know you were doing a sketch of some religious figure. And Kali. Was it Kali? Yeah. Okay, good. Because, uh, yeah, obviously that's what what drew me to a conversation. I mean, that, and I mean, anyone who would be drawing anything, but definitely seeing like Kali definitely drew my attention to that. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for the people who aren't too familiar with you? Hi, I'm Mike Watson. Um, I own Abaddon Tattoo Studios from Pine Grove, Pennsylvania. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. So, actually, funny thing about that story, just earlier that day that I met you, I uh, saw my buddy Eddie at the gym, who mm. was telling me about a friend that I reminded him of, who did a lot of traveling. Yeah. And then when I got there, I started talking to you. It was odd because I put two and two together, and it was you. You know, so I thought. Well, that was... well, that was just that was the universe preparing you for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's it's very interesting how people come across your path, and we. I think we were talking about this some other time about how there's certain people you can tell that are that are interested in having a real conversation. And then there's other people that are just kind of trying to move through yep. reality, you know? Do you feel like, I don't know, I, I mean, I wasn't really planning on like talking about tattooing much, but like in your line of work, do you feel like you, you have that same thing? Because I feel like that at the coffee shop. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, it's maybe a little differently because there are times where like I myself am the one who has to be quiet mm. because I need to focus or... Mm. Um, so I never try to force a conversation through tattooing, but there's definitely people that you just jive and click with. Right. You know, there, there are those people who, no matter how much I have to concentrate, I'm like having a conversation anyway, you know? Right. And that must be an interesting phenomenon of like tattooing somebody. And then you're like, you're, you find yourself drifting off into a conversation and then you're just kind of like, you might be losing focus or whatever. Cause that would be my tendency would be like to want to, cause when I work on something that like I need to be focused on, I just can't have anybody talking to, to me. So for tattooing during the creative process, during the process where I'm drawing, mm -hmm. I'm like that. Like I, I hate having people watch me as I draw. I don't even like music that has lyrics on. Like I, mm -hmm. I need, mm -hmm. you know, something that's got a flow to it. Uh, once I'm tattooing, Portrait works a little differently, but other than that, once I'm tattooing, that process is over, and now I'm reproducing what I already made. So right. it's yeah, so it's a little bit different. A little different. I could I have a little more freedom to be able to like talk and like right. There's yeah. well, I was gonna say there's not as much pressure, but it feels like the pressure is probably uh, different. It's there's, different. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there's no different. undo button on a no. It, it's a different different type of pressure though. I I remember I I have my ribs done, and uh, I can't remember what side. I think it's this side, but when I got them done, I was supposed to go with a buddy to like be the friend to like talk to you and hold like, your hand, hold my yeah. hand, you know, um, especially cause it was like my fourth tattoo or something like that. And I was getting my whole ribs done. So it was like a, quite a leap, but, um, he ended up backing out at the last minute. So it was just me and the tattoo guy. And he was the kind of guy that like, every time he started to talk, he would just stop tattooing. Oh really? Yeah. So it was just me sitting in silence with like just needle, <laughs> like, mm. Just, oh yeah, that could be intimidating. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it, it turned out great. It was 
it wasn't that long and but it was it sucked like towards the end i was like i don't want to be on this anymore yeah my, my first tattoo experience was was similar to that you yeah. know it's like an old biker shop and you know <laughs> yeah. everybody was like a little little more uh, harsh than i personally was at the time you know? sure yeah i uh my first tattoo was on the inside of my lip oh okay yeah so i <laughs> i went bold like right away because I was like, you can hide it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, is, it, is it still there? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you have to be careful with those because they do wear off. They, like I, I, had a, I had a buddy who got the word scum written on the inside <laughs> of his lip and then the S wore off. And it just... No good. No, no bueno. Yeah. Well, actually, that ha- that not the same thing happened to me, but I did lose the L and the I. Because I, I have... Okay, for those of you who aren't watching the video, I have the word life tattooed inside my mouth. And I don't even know if you could pick up that in the video. And it's one of those things that I just always forget about myself because I don't ever see it like yeah, whatever. Yeah. And like the other day I was like leaning on my girlfriend and I was doing something. She's like, oh, you had something in your mouth. I'm like, yeah, it's a tattoo. <laughs> was that the first time she noticed it? I think it was. I mean, she I think it's the same thing. Like she knew it was there. Oh, okay, but yeah. like you don't ever think about it because you sure. don't see it, you know. Um, but yeah, I was like, you know, you can hide it. So might as well. Get it? I I was terrified that it was like gonna bleed through the back of my lip. Oh yeah. I don't know, like, because I'd never gotten a tattoo before, so I had no idea what the process was. Oh boy, what was your first tattoo? Um, I have uh, like a Buddhist symbol, okay, right here, um, and then I have actually some Hebrew going around. Nice. That yeah. That's awesome. How long? So how long have you been interested in spirituality? <sighs> okay, so. There was a, I'm going to say later high school. However, there was definitely a period of time where I had zero interest in it. Um, so as far as my current uh, position, probably maybe like 15 years. Okay. Maybe 20. You know, it, it's hard to say exactly because it, sure. it sort of has, there, there was definitely a period where like I didn't want anything to do with it. Mm. You know? And I'm sure there's been like, peaks and valleys and like absolutely like what it looks like at the beginning probably looks very different from what it looks sure like now. i mean yeah now it looks just completely different well what was the what was the gateway drug into spirituality for you as far as like the religion or just what like what happened like well let's do both i'm, I'm gonna say modern times so i mean there it's really hard to determine what started something or i mean a lot of things happen at once i mean obviously i I got into Buddhism almost mainly through tattooing in a way. Mm. Um, not necessarily just from tattooing, but I mean, there was a situation where I was, what got me interested in tattooing was Japanese tattooing. Mm-hmm. And through Japanese tattooing, I started to learn about like Bushido and how that was influenced by Shintoism and Buddhism. Okay. Um, and then later in my life, um, right when I first started tattooing, had a lot of anxiety, um, just you know, having problems. And the doctor's first thing was to put me on medicine, and I did not like that. So I started to discover kind of separately meditation, um, and then you know, from there it just kind of grew. Where you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, right. I I think it's you know, I I heard some parenting thing where they talked about how when kids misbehaved instead of sending them to time out they sent them to go meditate for 10 minutes or whatever and like in my head i'm like that's so brilliant because that's that's essentially what you were that's the original essence of like sending a kid off to their room oh sure like, and then it's not punishment it's just right. 
having them learn how to control control their own mind. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, if you can grasp that at a young age, then you're a superhero. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, I had no idea. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, mean can, I didn't even till. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I, have you ever heard about the idea of, okay, so you're familiar with the Bhagavad Gita. Yep. So I've just talked about it on my last episode, so listeners should be somewhat familiar with it. But the story takes place in a carriage, right? And so there's, I forget where I got this from, but I know that this wasn't a fully original thought. But if you look at a carriage, there's a there's a, a horse, and then you, you, you say this carriage, right? So there's a horse, and then inside of it is Arjuna and Krishna. And even like a carriage kind of looks like a head and a brain. So, like, that whole picture there kind of, like, summates, like, the internal wrestling is, like, you have the, you know, the animal mind or the horse mind that's just kind of drawn by, like, animal instincts to go in whatever direction it is that we just naturally go. And then you have, like, the man aspect of you of, like, how do you navigate reality? And then the spiritual aspect of you kind of trying to, like, all mend those things together while, like, going in a certain direction. So I don't I don't know why I just I I can't even remember what made me think about that to bring it on but I just love that imagery and I going back to like tattooing to some degree is like those they're symbols right they're mm-hmm. like there's these things that we're super I don't know moved by for some reason you know and maybe that's did you when you first start was there a correlation between like tattooing a lot of Buddhist symbols and and all those things no. Nah, I- you know, honestly, I, I tattoo far more Christian symbols than, oh, than well, anything. Sure. Yeah, obviously, you know, this is more or less a you know Christian, Christian area. You know, right? So, yeah, I, you know, very few Buddhist symbols, but yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure what what I think about that. Uh, it wasn't the symbology of the of the tattoos that really brought me into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were essences of tattooing that brought me more into Buddhism, which is. You know the ability to focus my mind on, on what I'm doing. You right. know, not so much because of the imagery, but because of the actual act itself. The you know the act itself is meditation. You know, right? Yeah. You know, which is again sometimes when I'm a little, a little quiet when I'm tattooing. You know, I'm sort of sure. zoning. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember I've never read this book, but I've seen it everywhere that I've ever like looked in like a spiritual section of a bookstore, and it's called uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Repair. Motorcycle Zen and the Art of motor- Motorcycle Maintenance. Maintenance. Yeah. So, yeah. Some. Yeah. yeah by. Uh, Pin? I forget his name, but sure. I, I haven't read it. No, but but, uh, but I mean, a, a good, a, 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 the best thing that you can like hope to get from a book title is like somewhat of a summation of the book, but also like makes the the person think about well, why is that the the title? You mm-hmm. know. So I think about that. And I think about the idea of you know really. I don't know. Do you do you feel like? Because for me, there's definitely times when I'm, like, supposed to be focusing on a task and, like, my mind's, like, worlds away. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So what what helps you kind of, like, like bring in Zen to that and kind of help focus with that? I mean, that, that's obviously something, like, you know, everybody struggles with that. You know? sure. I mean, I, I, I do, too. Um, but, you know, there's specific breathing techniques hmm. that I do if I'm losing focus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also... I think we were talking about Ram Dass, which is like, be here now. Right. You know, it's almost just by having that daily mantra of be here now, bringing yourself to the attention mm-hmm. that you need to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Just you find your, it, it brings you more into it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. that by having it in your head, 
You know, mm. you question yourself, oh, am I being in the moment? You know, like the right. more you question that, the more it draws you back to that moment. Right. And I find myself when I'm trying to like get centered, you know, or whatever dialogue you would want to use for that is, um, is actually looking at the things around me and not mm -hmm. just like giving them as like assumptions, but like looking at the walls and being like, this is the wall, you know, like yeah. I want to, I want to actually like enjoy it and not just, like I said, like just take it as an assumption that the walls will always be here, you know? Um, I mean, the best thing take, take your, you know, leave your phone at home is, is always, you know, right. I mean, I just took all the Instagram, Facebook off my phone. And then mm -hmm. I found that like when I'm sitting somewhere in a restaurant, I'm all of a sudden now I'm looking at the architecture and I'm right. You know, I'm noticing the, the waitress and yeah, it's just my attentions on that moment. I'm no longer in the past or the present or, you know, whatever I'm doing on my phone, you know? Right. And I think you'll be able to relate to this because you've also done a fair bit of traveling and we'll probably get into that at some point. But, um, I remember walking around Pottsville one time and thinking to myself, like if, if I wasn't from here, how would I be like looking at the town, you know, yeah. like, cause like I said, you just kind of take everything as an assumption or as a, a given, but when you're walking, like, cause I, what really kind of brought that into my mind was I was when I was moving back from Oregon, I stopped at this town, this random town in Utah. Can't remember the name of it. Just pick, like throw a dart at Utah, like just any place. It wasn't Salt Lake City, so the only yeah. place anybody knows. But um, yeah, and I was just walking around this just small neighborhood. Like it wasn't like wealthy. wasn't It was like a little bit below like middle class, and like just walking around and just seeing. I'm like, I'll I'll never be in this neighborhood again. I'm like I don't even like I said I don't even remember the name of it, but I appreciated it because it was like I'll never get to see this again. You know. And so when I walk around Pottsville now, I try to be like, not that I'll, I, I, I want to say like, I'll never think of, see it again. Cause that's such a doom and negative aspect, but it's more of like, I want to appreciate these things and soak them in if, as if like they were novel or sure. whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, I lived here my whole life and, uh, you know, never really appreciated the area. Um, you know, it actually took a little bit of me traveling and also like, you know, one of my coworkers, uh, are from well both my coworkers from California but one of them has a you know a huge interest in the architecture around here and you mm -hmm. know it's more or less pointed it out to me and then now mm -hmm. I'm like wow these old coal mine towns are pretty interesting right you know you go to Shimokin and it's like i mean even though it's like half of it's fallen down mm -hmm. the architecture is absolutely stunning yeah and that's you know that's a, such a shame we just had a building well there's a building that's like slowly collapsing up on a market street here and it's such a shame, you know, my, my girlfriend, Jamie, she points it out all the time and she's just like, look how beautiful this building is. And it's just falling yeah. apart, you know, and some, and I think about like, I think about the people who built these houses, you know, cause they build them being like, I'm, I'm helping my town stay alive and like become, you know, it's growing, it's become, uh, you know, just a prosperous place. And now to see it kind of just be sitting because I remember I drove through like Monnoy City and Shemokin, like that area, a couple, probably about a year ago on a bus going up to New York. Because I don't, I don't have a car, so I don't really go up that area much. And uh, just being like there, and there were so many houses, and they were just all abandoned, yeah. you know. So it was one of those things where I'm just like, man, like so many people live here, but it, they just 
there there was okay the, the thought was that they needed to have these houses at some point and now oh, sure. they're just like abandoned and it's 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 so it's just a shame the fact that they're just sitting oh there. absolutely i mean my grandmother used to tell me stories of pottsville where the streets you know on saturday it was like the shopping day and the mm-hmm. streets were just jam-packed with people mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i guess the whole country's changed since then so i mean it's not even just this area it's just the whole yeah. whole country i mean all those small businesses are like shutting down you know I, and i just drove cross country and it's nothing but like chain store chain store franchise you know it's it's I think in general, just tough to have yeah. a main street with small businesses, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a shame, you know, it's, it's what, you know, the price that we pay for convenience is small businesses, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I said this the other day on a Facebook post, it's like, I understand like two day shipping on Amazon is a lot better than like waiting for your friend to send something through the mail. But you're doing something there by doing that that oh, yeah, yeah. you know you're missing out and you know i'm a hypocrite because i'm sure i have something from amazon like on its way oh sure i mean uh, you know same here yeah you know, like I, I recognize the fact that this is bad but right. then there are things where like well i can't really get it anywhere else or well it's, it's i mean it's the same thing of like how many people are aware of what an iphone is and have an iphone sure you know but you know i don't I don't see it in other countries though. When I do travel, those mom and pop places are still there. Yeah, I don't know what's really. I don't know. I think I, I think part of it could be the fact that this country is just so big that if, I maybe it needs there needs to be some sort of like, I I have a hard time escaping like the thought about like we it's hard for people to live together and not feel unified and to be okay with like differences that's it seems mm-hmm. to be really hard for people to migrate through that sure so even subconsciously if there's something like we need a group a walmart for everyone like you go to california there's walmarts you go to wherever you know but then i don't know i i don't know if that's true or if it's just capitalism running yeah i mean unchecked capital i don't know it's yeah it's it's yeah it's it's a hard thing to balance because it's you know there's no one other than us to to really point the finger at and be like, well, I'm I love Amazon because I sure yeah support it, you know. So, I, yeah, it's it's a tough one. How do you feel being the owner of a small business during this time? Um, oh, you know, I mean, right now it's tough. I, I mean, we're doing good. We're busy. Um, you know, we have regulations that we have to work with. You know, it's it's challenging. Right. Um, just you know, having to keep our doors closed. People have to call, you know, you can't just walk in and say hi. So it's, you know, I understand it. Yeah. So I'm not mad at it or anything, but right. it, it is challenging, you yeah. know. So, I mean, as if all these other things with capitalism doesn't make it tough enough for small businesses, now right. we got this, you yeah. know. And, of course, it didn't affect Walmart. Right. Or, you know. Yeah, because Walmart didn't have to close. Yeah, you know? all the places that already had an edge just got, like, an extra edge. Yeah. I mean, they'll never be tattooing at Walmart, so <laughs> it's not going to, you know. It's, <laughs> You know, maybe at Costco. Yeah, it's... maybe yeah, maybe at Costco. You're right. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. That would be, uh, if uh, I can just picture it in my head like Walmart, like tattoos of Walmart, like there uh. were people of Walmart. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know, man. I think I think I think that might be the next big thing. That civil movement is away from these big things. 
I hope so. I I, I I hope so too. I don't know. I think I think you need a, a lot of people to choose to move away from it, though. You'd have they'd have to recognize it first, and I think that's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. Well, it's again, it's you have to. It's not only recognizing it, but like choosing not to participate in it, right? Yeah, you'd have so, to again first consciously understand that it's there, and then right. decide that it's. Well, we're both. Yeah. You're. I'm not. Are you vegetarian or vegan? Uh, just vegetarian. Vegetarian. So I'm vegetarian as well. So it's. I remember when I first was like dabbling with it seriously because I was like when I was young I was a vegetarian on and off. But then as I grew up, I did longer stints of it. And um, when I first started, I was like, you know, like it's okay to eat meat if it's just once or twice a week. But like maybe don't go out and like continually feed this industry. Mm-hmm. That's not not the greatest thing you know oh i mean sure i mean that's you know it's one of the best examples of how we manipulate our environment mm-hmm. i mean we've just taken species of animals and made them slow and fat and basically not what they're supposed to be just you know locked them in little little areas and then yeah and then just hope that i don't hope that that would have no ramifications on us who who uh you know consume those things you know yeah you know i mean it's you know, obviously different groups are going to have different philosophies of what man's place is amongst the animals. You know, I mean, if you think mm-hmm. we're on top, I guess you can't think we're going to hurt it too much. But if you right. see it as a circle, mm-hmm. that we're really just part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that we have that much manipulation of everything is obviously bad, you know. Yeah, I mean, it. well, what I'll say is that it can be used for bad, right? Because it's it, in theory, could potentially be great if we knew how oh, to, like... Sure. Because I think about the... Um, what is that? The, the 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 book of Genesis when God creates man, he says, you know, I, I want you to uh, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. And so obviously the the, the former is evident to what that means, mm-hmm. but the latter, it I think people take it and they bastardize it into being like I'm gonna you know rape and pillage the land. Sure, yeah. But what it should mean is is like we are a species that is beyond capable of you know integrating and and interacting with nature in a proper way and that's the challenge for us is to not abuse this power that we have which we do but yeah obviously right but to yeah to use it properly what so did you get into when when did veganism or uh, vegetarianism start so showing up probably about a year and a half ago um so i know i talked about how like i got into buddhism through tattooing and through like the fact that I had really bad anxiety and, you know, like I used meditation to, to get over that. Um, so originally it was, you know, I, it was all just for me. Um, and then the further I, I kind of study and get into it or, and just see spirituality as more of a, a universal thing instead of just Buddhism, you know, um, you know, the concept of ending suffering for others is also like now important where before it wasn't. So, right. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I started this challenge um, where part of it was picking a specific diet and sticking to it. it didn't have anything to do with vegetarianism or spirituality, the, the, the challenge, but I took it as that. So, um, yeah, I stopped eating meat and I just, you know, I just kept it. Like I felt, um, I felt better. Mm. Not necessarily physically, just mentally felt better. So were you eating the same things or was it just, what did, the, what did, what did sticking to the same diet look like? Um, well, for me, 
so the challenge I did was called like 75 hard, which, you know, I don't, the, the guy who, who started it has a podcast and his, you know, he's a, a business guy and it was basically just to cultivate, um, I guess, responsibility for yourself sure. and, and yeah. so forth. So, you know, for me, I, I always generally ate healthy, mm-hmm. um, but during that time period, I took out meat and took out sugar from mm-hmm. my diet, um, lost a lot of weight, took alcohol out of my diet, um, kind of slowly introduced alcohol and sugar back. Sure. You know, not on large amounts, but, you know, mm-hmm. but I've, I've definitely decided just, you know, I'm going to, you know, from what we were talking about, how we manipulate our environment and I'm, I'm okay just not eating meat. You know, right. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's like, it's okay to like go on and off of things. Right. Cause that's even what I was trying to imply with the, it's okay to eat meat. If you're doing it to like, if you're doing it in, you're not, um, indulging in it or just being ungrateful for it or just doing it without a thought. You know, the fact that like the thing that you're, the thing that's sustaining you to whatever degree because of these, whatever, how poor the meat is the thing that sustained you was once a sentient being. Oh yeah. You know, it participated with reality and it, it, whatever that looks like, obviously we don't know for the, for that subjective animal, but it still was, it moved. It had feelings in, in these things, and it's it's crazy to think that, that. I mean, we're just very okay with not thinking about it. You know, oh, yeah, people don't even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even like talking about it now, I'm like, don't talk about it because people aren't gonna want to like feel bad. But it's like, no, it's it's just the reality. You should of the be situation. conscious of everything you do. Right. Right. You're yeah, absolutely right. Because yeah. you don't like. It's because I've I've said this before, but like, I would love to know what I would look like if you know. I didn't smoke or if I didn't eat like things that were bad for me because I, I eat chips like a like it's my job. Yeah, popcorn's my weakness. Oh, really? Yeah. So like, but like, again, like it's about the balance, right? So it's like you want to be able to enjoy those things, but they can't be like your soul like thing sure. that makes you happy. You know? Yeah, I mean, so many people, yeah, living life in balance is, mm-hmm. I mean, the key to everything, you know, every, anything, you know, it's just like when I don't live my life in balance, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think a lot of people can. I think the hard part for people is trying to figure out how to get your life balanced. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's like, I, I, the problem is that there's different strokes for different folks, right? So you can't just like tell somebody like this is what you do to get your life in in order or whatever. Sure, you know? I mean, I think you're 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 definitely right there. I mean, I definitely think there's some science to it as, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, learning new habits, you know, mm. creating new habits, you know, I mean, just understanding how your neural passageways work, you know, like, right. you know, yeah. there, there's definitely things that you can, there, there's some universal truths, you know, some scientific truths mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. But yeah. You know, what is right for everybody? It's sort of, yeah, it's sure. Or what is, what does that look, what does right look like manifested yeah. for yeah, that individual? Right. So like for me, I'm, I'm very curious about like just the fact that like, you know, what, what happens if I do this or if I do this or if I cut this out or if, if you know, feeling that. So I started uh, doing, I'm, this week I'm only drinking water and I started just yesterday. So I haven't had like much, much experiences with it, but taking cold showers in the morning. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with Wim Hof? Wim Hof, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I do the breathing techniques every morning. Oh, do you? Yeah. I, I Sometimes I'll do the cold shower, right? It's no, it's a rush, much. yeah. Man. Yeah, it's some, sometimes I'll actually like make myself get up, go to the shower, turn the cold on, and be like, 
Nah, not today. <laughs> yeah. And it's about balance, right? But yeah. So I, I'm trying to, he's, I saw him on a podcast recently and he recommended doing 30 seconds of uh, cold shower and then every day adding 30 seconds to it for like a week or whatever. So I decided I'm just, I'm going to yeah. just drink water and I'm going to do that. And uh, the science behind it, for those of you who aren't too familiar with it, has something to do with like voluntarily approaching suffering or stress. So then when you're, it, when you do that, you're building yourself up because you're voluntarily taking on something that your body kind of wants to reject. And by stepping into this and voluntarily taking it on, it's, I, I heard him talk about it with Jordan Peterson. Uh, okay. And they were talking about the correlation between voluntarily taking on suffering by going into cold water and the idea of like the hero's myth of, mm. you know, going out and confronting the dangers of the unknown voluntarily, right? Like choosing to, to leave your village. I, I, I can't express how much that blows my mind that like the actions that we have to act out mimic internally things that happen, you know, we're just in such a crazy, like this body is such a crazy thing. It's, so, I don't know. When, when, what, for breathing, because I, I, I'm very curious about that as well. Because that's the first thing you notice when you step into like the cold shower is mm -hmm. that like your breath is like it takes, it takes over. Takes away, yeah, yeah. So, what is it? What is the that experience like for you? Or what's your even farther than that? What's your relationship with breathing and breathing <laughs> techniques? Yeah, I mean, obviously especially for Zen Buddhism, you know, um, the concept of following your breath. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying attention to the things that are going on through your mind, it's a way to calm your mind. Um, you'll notice a lot of monks obviously will do meditation under a cold waterfall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's similar. If I do the, the cold shower, I'll, you know, it's the, the, the problem, you know, the, to not worry about something means you need to like stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a practice. If I'm in the cold, like in the cold water, mm -hmm. you know, it's getting my mind to not be thinking about that, mm -hmm. you know, to focus on just the breath. Mm -hmm. And then you could like take that, uh, take that, ch that challenge to something else, you know, something that's really bothering in your life. You know, somebody dies, you're like, of course you're sad, but how do you have it not overwhelm your thoughts or how to, right. you know, I mean, and that's, you know. Uh, can't pay your bill or something, you know, like sure. whatever it is, you know, whatever's going on in a person's mind, how do you have that not overwhelm them? Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, that right there is just a, you know, it's a way to hone in that skill. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I feel similar to, I'm sure you've fasted in the past mm -hmm. before and it's, it's similar. What the, what goes on in my head is I usually do something like when I, you know, if I'm fasting or with the cold showers, I'm like, I can see, I, I see what you're pointing at, mm -hmm. attention, but we're not going to focus that. Thank you for doing your job. Thank you for making me aware that I'm freezing right yeah. now. But I'm going to focus on something else at the moment, you know, or mm -hmm. just allow that to be. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull away. I'm not going to. Yeah. Like how do you recognize your feelings, but not, how do you recognize them as just feelings, but not as, you know, like. All ultimate reality or yeah, like, whatever. It's like that. I'm not cold. I'm just feeling coldness. Right. Yeah, you know, that sort of. Well, that was, that was, I think the biggest realization when it comes to like awareness or like your, I, the idea of consciousness and, and that being what you really are was for me was when 
even in our verbiage when we say like i am hungry i am mm-hmm. sick you know like there's still an i that is experiencing the hunger or the sure, sickness yeah. you know so there's i don't want to say a disconnect but there's there's two things being talked about right there and, and people usually assume it to be one thing right just one overarching thing of hunger where it's like no you're affirming that there's an i who is witnessing mm-hmm. this phenomenon that that for me was like the biggest like oh that's what it means to like observe your thoughts yeah yeah you know? that there's definitely here especially in the west like very little separate like you are separate from your environment mm-hmm. where obviously like some other type of thoughts have you like you are really not you're really just part of everything anyway there mm-hmm. is really no separate i mm. well that's that's very true cuz that's i mean that's what you end up being is like oh well you know i am that right yeah. like or just the I am, because I, I even saw, like, I've been seeing this post a lot lately of just being, like, I am being the most super, I mean, it's it's the most profound thing that, like, a human being can say, right? Because I am is affirming your own isness, mm-hmm. affirming your own being here in this reality. And to some degree, it's the purpose of the universe to go forth to be able to experience the I amness, you know? And... It's when we kind of attach too many things to that. The too many, let's say the wrong things, because it's not. It's not that we are, like you said, like this just one singular thing. We're interconnected with everything. Yeah, absolutely. you know. So it's for me. It's and it's a not pushing away of the things that I don't want to be connected to necessarily, but it's a learning to hold them in their proper place, mm-hmm. right? So. So you you meditate along with the breathing, or is it it just kind of like you do breathing as you're getting ready in the morning? Uh, no, I mean my, my meditation is specifically like sitting, sitting and breathe. focusing on my breath, right? You know, and then there's some uh, like Tibetan type practices that I do where you envision the energy moving in and out of your body, and nice. you know, breathing out certain things, and sure, yeah. I mean, I I love I love the idea of those things, regardless of the validity of like whatever I. I I just love that our minds can help us get to these places of peace by participating oh, with yeah. these things, you know? There's, there's a really good documentary series on Netflix, uh, The Mind Explained. Have you have you seen that? It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it talks about how, you know, just like what things like meditation is doing to your neural passageways, like how it's actually affecting your brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at like what's anxiety doing to your brain, like why, you know, how are these things connected? You know, they have... I have an episode on like psychedelics and how that's sure. affecting your brain, you know? So, I mean, it's just understanding how your brain works is the key to so many things. So many things. Yeah. And I, I think it's so fascinating. And like, I have a, we were talking about this the other yesterday about, I have a particular, um, inclination or, uh, I'm very curious about alchemy because alchemy was birthed out of the spiritual journey kind of, reaching a some sort of peak because they were like well we kind of figured it out like we kind of figured out like they had the universal church right or what was supposed to be the catholic church of like everyone is supposed to embody this this energy right so it was kind of the idea and then they kind of like well let's explore the energy like what does it mean to have this in a body Mm -hmm. and like all these things and that's what was that's what's so interesting to me about alchemy is them trying to figure out because it w- it was the birth of science, like alchemists are yeah, the yeah. people that you know set up the periodic table and all mm-hmm. those things. Because they they were trying to 
turn use, use it turn elements into gold, right? Is that right. The, well, that's so that or is that just the basic sort of. That's that's the that's the how would you say it? It's like the um, it's the pitch for the larger idea. Gotcha. Okay. So what they were trying to do. Because, I mean, I'm not really well-versed in it, but it looks something more of, like... Because there was, like, yes, if we could turn this into gold, then, theoretically, you don't have to worry about money, right? Or whatever, but then you kind of do, because gold really then... Yeah. it The value depletes. But it was more... of That was a symbolic idea of what they were trying to do internally, of take whatever was inside of a person and then transform that into the gold. Okay. So that was kind of the like the true alchemist was somebody who could I saw this the other day as a quote somewhere it was like the true alchemist is somebody who takes your pain and your suffering and transforms it into beauty or something like oh, that's that. Okay. Yeah. So it was it but then there is also the idea of like well if we're having religious experiences that means it's happening inside of us and that means that there's some t- sort of scientific explanation for it to varying degrees depending on, you know, how much you would how much you would believe those events are solely happening inside of the body and then how much of it is happening outside of it versus like we said earlier, you're connected with everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify how much of that, exp- how much, you know, all because you can put somebody in a, like a MRI machine or a CAT scan or a, a brain scanning machine, whatever that would be called. And you can see that that doesn't mean that there aren't things outside of that that are influencing that. We just don't know. We just don't know yet. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably nothing science can't eventually one day solve, but all these mystical experiences are, are really just part of science anyway. Right. You know, we just haven't gotten the language gotten to it gotten the language yet. to it, yeah. Well, and it's also, it's like kind of what I was just saying is like there's, there's things that we don't know how to measure yet, right? Yep. So like, and I... I don't even know what those things are. So, I, I mean, other than outside of saying, like, spirits or souls or... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just take, like, meditation. Like, originally, it was just basically... Nobody knew why it worked. Mm. And now science can tell you why it works. Right. You know? And it's, and it's so interesting because meditation offers such simple answers to some of the biggest problems that are, like, weighing yeah. us down. You know? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, do you... Where where did you learn meditation, or did you just like pick it up on your own? Oh man, for years I just tried to learn on my own, and I, I you know I don't I didn't really know what I was searching for, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what it was supposed to do. Well, right, yeah, you know, so like you know there was just you're just sitting there, and you're like, what's supposed to happen? Yeah, what's going? You know, I could read about Buddhism all day long and not really understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did start going to a meditation center um, in Harrisburg that's based on Zen Buddhism, uh, you know, and then the explanation of like what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, made a little more sense, hmm. um, you know, and then just as time goes on, you know, like when I go to Australia, there's a big, uh, Buddhist center there that I go to. Um, yeah, I'm just, that's awesome. You know, so, and, and you, how, how well versed would you say you are with like Zen scripture or Zen literature or Buddhist uh, literature? Like the specifics, you know, I mean, I've read like, the Lotus Sutras and stuff, uh, you know, I mean, Buddhism's so big. Dude, it really is. Like, somebody got me a book that was, like, essential Buddhism, and I, and I was, like, paging through it, and it was so diverse and so thick. I'm like, this is... Yeah, and there's no specific, like... There's nothing the written down, right? There, there's no, like, the Bible, you know? So you have, like, something like the Lotus Sutras where, like, well, that's only Mahayana Buddhism, but then there's, like, Theravada Buddhism who does not... 
Right, they don't they, abide by. Yeah, that I mean, they're not fi- they're not fighting it out or anything about what's right or wrong, but like mm-hmm. they just don't follow that, you know. And then you have Zen Buddhism, which is completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there's just so much. Um, yeah, and it's for me, it comes down to like that person, the individual, having to find the path that helps them connect. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I would be more inclined to relate with like the Christian myth and story. Whereas I'd say you would be more of like Buddhist or, or Zen, not saying that you can't pick from those things. Sure. But it's... I mean, it took me actually a long time to understand the fact that like I can accept Christianity having, you know, really powerful spiritual elements to it, you know, because mm. being from this area, you know, you know, I'm surrounded by it all, all day long, you know. Right. So to me, Christianity was like, I don't know. Telling me Dungeons and Dragons was evil and shit like that, you know. Like, so it took a really long time for me to get that out of my head, right? Yeah, you know, like Christianity was like, oh, I have to wear a suit every Sunday, like right, that yeah. type of thing. Like, and I'm like, well, why, mm-hmm. you know? Or I don't know, kiss means kids in same service. Like when I was a little, when I was a little kid, or when I was in middle school, I've, I've they never used, heard that. Oh yeah, when I was a, when I was in middle school in in my middle school, they used to hand out pamphlets about um, about different cults that we had to be aware of and symbols of cults, you know, cause there was a lot of religious groups that really influenced the school system there. And, you know, they'd hand out these little pamphlets that had like a peace sign on it, had a, <laughs> like just absolute, you know, like a yin yang, yeah. you know, just stuff that was, they if, didn't if, you understand. Have, if you have any type of intelligence, you're like, well, this is, this is all wrong. And, right. you know, once, but then the reality is, well, it's not all wrong. Just they were wrong. Right. You know, it was, it wasn't necessarily like, that there weren't elements that were good in it. It's just like, you right. know, it took me a little while to get like to get deeper into that. You know? Right, and there is also something to be said about like, so to some degree, a lot of these things are just symbols, and then there's people that are embodying actions behind them. Yeah. Right. You know. So obviously, you know, there's something to be said about something like a yin yang or or a, a cross or something. Those seem to be. I mean, then we're now I'm kind of stepping into like sacred geometry and yeah. kind of those things and like. You know, I don't know. Is a peace sign a sacred symbol? I I can't tell you. You yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had a description of why they thought the peace sign was an evil symbol. They oh, said really? it was like in there would be work? like, no, this is a cross where the arms are broken. Like it wow. was. It was basically somebody wrote this stuff up, mm-hmm. and then like distributed it to the schools to like. Well, they were just looking for the evil. They were just looking yeah, for how was, can we make know. this evil, which is, and I I. I think for most people, that's their experience of Christianity is some sort of do this, don't do that club. Sure. Instead of this radical, like a a Jewish man was so in love with the world that he gave himself to as an example of a man who's fully in, invested into life. Sure. I mean, you got you know you got biblical Jesus and Republican Jesus, and they're right. not the same. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I I have a really hard time when I talk about Jesus because I I've discovered that people have. Everyone has their own narrative or their understanding of that entity, right? Sure, absolutely. So, like, I I might have said this on the podcast before, but I, I can't remember. Um, I remember talking to someone, and they said that they read a book about how Jesus was a um, sex magician. And I'm like... <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm just like, then he can just be anybody. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, then he's, he's just this symbol of... He still represents this sense of you know ultimate good i think for most people when they look at jesus is people don't usually depict him as being a bastard no absolutely not yeah even like people who wouldn't necessarily say that they believe in him or whatever they're not 
they're not going to like say that he was like a like an evil person. Sure, which yeah. is a phenomenon. If you know so many people in the world are aware of you, and like even the people that don't necessarily are, are pro you are still kind of trying to defend you to some degree. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, That's, even in like Hinduism, Buddhism, they're very clearly like, no, Jesus was a person that you should emulate your life after. Oh yeah. You know? Well, and I think I think Hinduism and Buddhism have a better understanding of imitation and the importance thereof instead of you know the idea of worship or whatever is supposed to help bring that out in you yeah absolutely the adoration of it all um and we really lost that with christianity because we made it about we we rose jesus too far up into the godhead and then excluded ourselves too far out of it yeah you know and we don't see whereas it's very evident in I would say, at least from my perspective in Buddhism and in Hinduism, where it's like you are a piece of this larger pie. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas, yeah, like it's... yeah. Well, what did that, I mean, because we kind of talked about that, the, you know, you, here's you in the midst of everything else. What, how did, how did that realization come about for you? What did that look like? Man, that's a tough one. You know, because it was an evolving thing. You know, you know, I talked about before where, I originally got into Buddhism and it was more for like selfish reasons. I just wanted, not selfish, but I wanted to, it was just about me. Like, right. oh, I had to solve my anxiety and my, my problems. And, you know, and it wasn't until later, you know, in fact, it was, you know, by doing a little bit of like study with Hinduism too, that the concept of, oh no, I mean, it's all, it's, it's also about others and, mm-hmm. and seeing yourself as just part of the whole, um, so, I mean, I, that was like sort of an evolving process. And I'd even say like within the last like two years, not mm. not that I didn't believe that before, but now it's like just more of a, oh, you know, I'm just part of everything, you know? And, yeah. See, for me, I don't, if you would have t- take, well, yeah, two years ago, I think I would have been like, I think up to, I think up to a certain point, I didn't even have that concept of like, we're all connected. I guess I did to some degree. Right, like you said, like mm. you know, you, you probably believed if someone would have came up to me and said, "Do you think we're all connected?" I would have been like, "Yeah, why not?" Sure, yeah, you know, like, but it uh, more of an abstract concept than a reality. Right, yeah. and it's what's interesting is like, I one of the most I, I I'm pretty sure I told this on the podcast before, but it doesn't matter. One of the most like profound spiritual moments I've ever had climaxed by I felt like. Because I, I kept talking to the experience and being like, I just want more of this. I just I just want to feel it. And it's, I just, this is what I, I found what I was looking for in that moment, right? Like I was, the soul was satisfied and I was sitting in it. And I'm like, this is all I want. And it, the experience said something to me along the lines of like, it's everywhere. Like it's, it's in these people. It's not just here in this singular moment, but it's interacting with every person. And sure. I mean, that's. And it, what what was profound for me was the fact that the, the whatever the experience was was so beautiful and humble that it didn't want to just be like yes you found me <laughs> you know like it was like we as a whole thing together as the whole package you know oh yeah I mean when you see you know and part of it's just you know what is mankind's purpose here mm-hmm. you know to see that we're really just part of this earth and this earth itself is just one big organism that we're just right. part of you know right it's uh, i don't know, just makes you look at things differently mm-hmm. you know well and you appreciate yourself in the midst of do you feel like traveling really what what was the biggest thing that you got out of traveling do you feel 
like I'm sure you got a lot of it. Man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think the biz- biggest thing. I mean, that definitely made made me understand that we are all one. Mm. Um, you know, and that's not something that we're necessarily taught here in the United States. You know, um, I, I have a, I, I feel like I have a bigger understanding of how this country works mm. by going to other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it had, how did it, it just affected me in so many ways. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to say like, I can't really even separate myself from my travels anymore. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, for sure. Cause it just make you who you are. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you, you find out that a lot of what you've been taught is sort of a lie. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that lies there on purpose or, or what, but right. like you start sure. to realize, yeah. like, yeah, like you've been told like a lot of crap your whole life. Well, and it's also like it's just trippy to like land in a country that's on the other side of the planet. You know, like you don't oh, yeah. the, just the existential thought of that of being like I'm on the opposite side of a ball than I had ever been. You know, like and then oh yeah, and then to like you know because I was working mm. with a lot of my travels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was working in Cambodia and Vietnam and just to realize, you know, I mean, again, we're all the same. Like everybody on this planet wants the same thing. You know, they right. want to have like less suffering. They want to, you know, be free and enjoy their life. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's desires are pretty much the same, you know. Right. Which is, I, for me, I, I love seeing the world from understanding that perspective, right? Everyone's desires are similar and the, the things that we need are all pretty much the same, right? And then... Well, then what, how have different people and solve that throughout time, mm-hmm. you know? So like even the spiritual needs of people, like, and that's why I'm so interested in mythology and especially in like Eastern religions because it's their psychology is so much different from ours Yeah, because yeah. they grew up around that's, you know, there's a reason that that religion has monkeys and elephants in it mm-hmm. because their society had monkeys and elephants sure. in it, you know? Whereas we don't really, I mean... And they also see the spirit in all things, mm, too, which mm-hmm. is probably another reason why you have those elements in the religion, you know? So, like, right. the monkey is also God. Right, yeah. You know? yeah that, absolutely. That, that concept is already there, The cat, you know? Right, and that, that's the. I think that that's the problem with Christianity where it really... Where it really I think if you pushed like mainline fundamental Christians and was like, you know, is God in all things? They would be like, yes. And they would be like, well, doesn't that mean he's in you and you're in him? And then you're part of everything else. You know, it's that realization that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like, oh, no, because they have such a. And I mean, I said this about Jesus, but there's such a disconnect between the grandiose of God or whatever, the highest power, whatever you'd want to call that reality and like the every person. And I think a part of that is the church continually like putting God up on this pedestal while God is like, no, I'm, I became flesh and dwelled among you, you know, like, sure. I I think it also, it just serves a different function Mm, here. That's true. Um, you know, I mean, that could, I I don't know what, I don't, I don't really know what it's like in Europe, but it definitely, I think religion just serves a different. What do you think it serves here? Well, you know, we're we're a group of made made up from people, all you know from from all different areas. I mean, I think I was talked a little bit yesterday about how like what makes humans different is our sh- ability to create shared stories. Mm. So I mean, it, it hasn't always been used as a way to unify people here. 
Mm. I mean, sometimes it is. Yeah, sometimes. But it's, it just depends. I mean, it's used in politics right. in ways that it might not be used in other places. It's used, you mm. know, I mean, you can very clearly see the use of religion in politics here. Right. So it's... Yeah, it's... it's, it's and also that there is a, a separation is is a is a specifically western problem because i think if mm-hmm. if you go to asia and you say like you know is there a separation between church and state they they don't have that concept no no of course it's like cuz they're just like well like cuz i remember i heard a thai person say this one time is like i'm you know to be buddhist or to, like it's not a choice on Thai. Like I, yep. I'm just this is my. It's you know because people don't understand what the word philosophy means, and they also don't. I mean, religion again is a word that they don't really understand. But philosophy is like, well, how do you live your life? Sure, you I mean, know? you could very easily say Buddhism is not a religion at all. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a philosophy of how to live. Right. And I think even Buddha had that same kind of idea of like, oh yeah, very clearly like, well, you know, this power is is, is your power. It's nothing to do with me. Nothing. You know, in right. fact, he's like, don't even. Don't even listen to me unless like it agrees with your own heart. You know? Well, yeah, and I, I remember one of my favorite tidbits I know about the Buddha is him saying, "If you see the Buddha, kill it." Yeah, right, because it's it shouldn't be nameable and it shouldn't be like point outable. And when you think you found it, you haven't found you it. haven't found yeah. it. It's and that's that's the conundrum I think of the spiritual person of like the seeker, right? Is like you mm-hmm. want to be the finder, but then the second you find it, is you just. Sure. I mean, you know, the reality is you, you never find it. Right. You just always need to be seeking. You know, when you, right. once you think you found it, then well, you got to kill it. <laughs> well, and it's also like maybe it's a part of the be here now of it all, right? Is like accepting that like the seeking is just driving me forward and growing me, but it's I'm admit, I'm emerged in the overarch, overarching process, you know? Like I'm participating with this bigger thing, how, however you'd want to put it into like the language. But I do find it so fascinating that, like you said earlier, that the what kind of separate well, what does separate us from other animals is our ability to share myths and stories. Sure. And that's like going back to kind of talking about like Asian imagery and all that stuff. It's it's amazing how much like I I don't think people realize how influenced they are by symbols or by media or whatever that oh, is. Absolutely. You know, especially now. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's just interesting the fact that you can sit with, you know, a statue of Buddha or, a, you know, a, a crucifix and you can fixate your energy on those things. And if you do it properly, it it brings out those, what those things represent. It brings out the character in you. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's like a weird placebo thing, but it's. Yeah, but I mean, it's real because it's your mind. You know, right. it's that ability to control your own mind. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, again, what is what is real so it's like you know did buddha or jesus did they have to be these people that actually did these things or is it just the story alone enough to sure i mean there's there are some buddhists who like don't even necessarily believe that the buddha existed was it Mm -hmm. a group of people who came up with these ideas Mm -hmm. and you know and the ultimate answer would be it doesn't even matter right you know like who cares you know because the concept that like we can control our own mind the meditation works and you know, it's good. It's just good to try to end suffering for people. Like, I mean, that's doesn't that, matter who said it. Like, right. Whether, that, that, yeah. Those things don't belong to anybody. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, in fact, he he very desperately tried to take himself out of the equation of the story of. The, he's like, I'm here, but I don't matter that much because this is really about you. 
Right. You know, when you see similar things with Jesus, where he's people continually call him the Son of God, and he continually calls himself the Son of Man, yeah. and he's like. No, I mean, I'm just going back to what I said earlier. It's like you're getting it wrong. Like you're missing the point of like, it's not this far off thing. It's again, like going back to the Buddha, the holding up the flower, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a story about Buddha who held up a flower to his disciples and didn't say anything. And everyone left besides one person, right? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. I mean, again, it doesn't matter if that really happened or not. It's the beauty of the story. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and Buddhism just is, is similar to Christianity where it is filled with like, some fantastical things that probably obviously never happened. You know, sure. like the Buddha, the baby just stood up and, <laughs> and he takes like multiple steps, little flowers bring from his feet. Like obviously, yeah. no, you know, obviously it's just allegory well, to like get a point across. Right. And even like, um, but you know, what, what really fascinates me, and this is, I can't look at this way for Christianity because I have too much hurt there, but it's interesting when I see like some, you know, some Hindus or some people who are into uh Krishna consciousness who say like no these entities and these events are completely real and for me it's so much more entertaining when it's like Hinduism and because it's it seems a little bit more fantastical as opposed to like Christianity which seems so much about like the blood and the tar and like the muck of it all whereas like in Hinduism you have a a monkey who like is interacting with god avatars and stuff and is a god avatar as you know we all are so it's it's just it's 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 easier for you to fall into the like the fantastical yeah. part of your mind. You yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, it, funny you mentioned Christian consciousness because that's sort of early on what got me sort mm. of on the path to Buddhism. You know, because mm-hmm. that was very influential in the punk and hardcore scene as I was growing up. Right. Um, <laughs> which you know, it's hard to separate that from you know from, from I, everything else right now. I. I think it's so. I didn't. I was not aware of the Krishna consciousness scene within hardcore. I was very yeah, like I was. Huge. I did. I was not aware. And then like, I I forget the guy Ragu. I forget the dude. Ray Kappa. Kappa yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah. I saw him on some podcast, and I'm like, this is insane. I didn't know that there was just hardcore bands doing. Uh, I mean, when I would go to, it'd be great. Like you used to go to hardcore punk shows, and then there'd be like all these Harry Krishnas like feeding everybody. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was the greatest thing. You know, it was. You know, you'd have like elderly people there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was such a great. See, you know, like so there'll be like just like a couple of elderly people who just came straight from India. You know, right? It was you know That's handing awesome. out food to like these like punk rock kids. It was it's actually really kind of you know it's it's, it's kind of cool. Well, again, this is telling of my heart potentially, but like when I look at when I when I look at Krishna, the I always want to say I don't. There's not a good word for like a. A Krishna, not a Christian knight, or, or like there's yeah. no equivalent of a Christian for Krishna. At least I can't think of like, nah, I can't, the, yeah. yeah. So it's like the people who follow Krishna, which is maybe it's great that they don't have a name. I'm sure they rejoice sure, yeah. in that. But uh, I feel like they're just they're they're not nearly as dogmatic vocally as Christians can be. Because I think about because there were well, I also don't know that many. Yeah, it, it Hare depends, Krishnas. You know? Is it Hari Krishnas? Would they say? Yeah, that? I guess they, so. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are people that I actually was listening to a Hare Krishna chant this morning while I did my shower thing. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, yeah it's such a beautiful. It's another way to focus your mind, on, right? Yeah, because that's when I first get started getting into like mindfulness and all that stuff. I would I would chant Hare Krishna like sure. Oh yeah, I mean that that was my pre like doing zazen meditation. Mm-hmm. That was my meditation, which you know chanting a mantra. 
a hundred of times can like definitely focus your mind and, and clear it. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's powerful, you know, I, I mean, and that mantra could be anything that they right. have to, yeah. Do you have, like, do you still do mantras now? Cause I, for me personally, I like don't do them as often as I should. I don't, I don't as often, but I do, I, you know, maybe like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself when I'm in need of them, I whip them yeah, out because they are powerful. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, if something's really stressing me out, that's when I'll go and add mantra to my meditation. Mm. Um, cause yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, for me, for me with mantra and meditation, it's usually the thing that like, I'm just trying to get my mind onto so I can just sit there, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, just sit here and just say this until it becomes the natural kind of flow of things. And that was even the idea of like the prayer beads that was just kind of hold, like to have something to hold onto to like, Oh sure. Help yeah, same you with Mala beat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exact same thing. Yeah. Same thing. So you're just trying to stimulate your brain and to keep it. Because you're the one that's choosing to step into it and to put put the pattern that's going on into into place, right? Because mm-hmm. normally, if you just kind of let it go, then it'll kind of run off and do its own yeah, thing. Yeah. But then, if you're a good mantra man, yeah. So, like, how, how do you would you encourage people to find their own mantra or to go off of mantras that already exist, or what did what did that look like um, for you? I I generally use mantras that already exist okay not always but because i already realized that like i could be saying probably anything you know mm-hmm. but it's it's the energy you know like i'm creating that energy right um so i, I like the traditional mm-hmm. traditional mantras you know as opposed to creating my own but sure you know it doesn't really matter you know? whatever works right? yeah whatever works for you is yeah. you know you're really just affirming it's like an affirmation you're just saying over and over and over again right you know? And it's, I mean, I remember when I first started doing like really focused breath meditation that the, whoever I was listening to was like, you know, if you have to say something, just like make some, like a sound or like some sort of whatever in your head, like that, that's good enough. Like as long as there's something going on. Yeah. It's what you're focusing your brain on. Right. Yeah. So like I, I really enjoy in meditation is just learning to sit and to hold everything that's happening you know and just be and by hold i mean be aware of it Mm. and just to sit there and be like oh this is happening oh that's happening and like to not let it really affect me and to learn to get you know the the place in here centered and calm as i can kind of see like the whirlwind of shit going on around me you know yeah it's it's you know i mean and then your reactions to the shit going around on around you Mm mm-hmm are like done with more wisdom mm-hmm right yeah and I, I do you what okay so for me I felt like I wanted to learn to take the peace or the the tranquility or the focus that I had in meditation and bring it into kind of just walking around reality mm-hmm. and I don't do this very good now but there was a time in my life where I felt like I was able to go in between those states pretty well but now I I mean, the world's just crazy, so it's easy to get like caught up in the muck sure, of it all. Sure, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but what is so? I'm gonna assume that that looks pretty similar for you. Not, not that. Yeah, I mean, the the whole point for me to do meditation would be to take it outside that. Right. You know, yeah. as I'm driving, I want to experience that moment. You know, I want to see that. You know, that beautiful sunset right. that I may not have noticed if like I've got a whole bunch of shit going on in my mind, um, or I want to, I want to appreciate. You know, I talk about architecture because I, I like architecture, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it allows me to appreciate the things that I never saw. 
you know, it's like you're almost like you're watching your own life as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's a similar, I mean, that's, I don't think that that's wrong, right? Because you have the idea of Maya in Hinduism. Oh, absolutely. Which is, that it's the dream, right? So yeah, it, that which separates. Right. Almost is another. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I, and I don't, I go back and forth in my head. I wrestle with like, oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's like, well, Maya is, it's, it's ambivalent, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just doing whatever it is. And like, we are the ones who allow ourselves to get lost in the separation. Yeah. How do it, we get caught up into? Right. It's not Maya's fault for being the reality that it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's our fault for participating with it poorly. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Like, Cause you don't want to say like, Oh, just screw the Maya or the, or the dream or that, which, because it's the thing that disconnects us is also the thing that brings us back together, right? Reality. Mm-hmm. So we we're that's and that's kind of the symbol of Cali, is that you're born into reality, and then there needs to be that bringing back in, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, in that case, it's a being born and then being eaten back sure, yeah. by the <laughs> entity. Um, but hey, I mean that's and but she's also the god of time, right? So that's what time does to a person. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's very very poetic. God, I that's that's why I love that stuff so much. Yeah, Hinduism is, is so poetic. It's like I love it. It's like different realms and different. Yeah, I mean it's yeah that kind of stuff. I I I dare not get into because it just seems way too much. Because I'm like I'm having a hard time understanding this realm. Sure, let yeah. alone like the different levels and and all those things. You know, and but I think it's again I think you have a healthier cosmology there in Hinduism because there's a a wider understanding of reality and like they're, they're inclusive of the potentials of all. The thing of it. I, I like about it is it allows for science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same as Buddhism, it allows for science, you know, uh, quantum physics. I mean, all these things, nothing's, there's nothing scientific that's denied mm-hmm. by those religions. And I think that's, you know, uh, you know, obviously we have people writing what they think was going on at a certain time. And it could really just be their explanation of science. Right. Um, right. And well, also because we, we are the ones who define what science is. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, that's even like, well, of course, science makes sense through the science worldview because science is, it, it build up that thing, you know? And again, it's the same with like, like you said, with like these religions or whatever, they're just, they're their own sort of science and their own, they're their own sort of way of explaining the universe you know and there's even something to be said about like bacteria and spirits and like those two things being similar like your gut binome and like how that plays into your consciousness and and all that kind of thing and i i forgot sarah i did i found out recently that serotonin was produced in your gut oh i don't know that yeah and I, i i'm like oh well and like it's you just don't think about how much all of this kind of like interacts with each other and that's like again like what i really appreciate about i think a little bit more about those eastern religions not saying that there isn't potential for them in the west but the east has just been around for forever so it's been able to like i mean i actually think that the west kind of like i see it a lot here now yeah yeah Um, for sure i mean you know and you know it's obviously just a hybrid Mm -hmm. um and, and that's okay too you know because i mean this is a different culture so when when things from the east are brought here Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it turns into something different. It's very, it's very fascinating that I I have a hard time not seeing the the fact that like one side of the planet is 
their brains are a lot much more visual oriented Mm -hmm. and one side being much more logic oriented. And I always just think that's so fascinating that like you have these two major paradigm shifts or paradigm, whatever they would be gaps. And yeah, it's just, it's just goes back to my like fascination with human psychology of just being like, how do people just get born onto this planet and then they need culture and they need society to survive and then how do they build that, you know? It's just... Yeah, end, it's fascinating. It's endlessly fascinating to me because it's... Because in theory, no one's right because everyone's just defining sure, it yeah. as they I mean, go, yeah. you know? So there's... It's just so... It's it's crazy to think that, like, you know, the the, the Mayans or the Hindus or... I mean, the Hindus are still around, but like these ancient civilizations that walked on the same planet that we do, but viewed it completely different, you know, that's just, I don't know. It's endlessly fascinating to me. <laughs> well, we're probably getting close to wrapping it up. Anything, okay. uh, anything you want to say before no, we head man, out? I just really appreciate, you know, you having me here. So yeah, no problem, yeah, it's man. Always a fantastic conversation, you know? Yeah. I, I, we get together. I really enjoy it. And I'm sure we'll be doing more of them. And I mean, just having more conversations yeah, in yeah. general. So um, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on... I know you said you just got off all social media, but I'm Yeah, like, I'm so, gonna... I mean, I, well, I just recently started posting on Facebook again. Um, but Instagram, uh, Lil Doc Watson on Instagram, or you can just find me at Abaddon Studios in Pine Grove. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I will, uh, I'll link those things in the description. Sweet, man. So, Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man, for coming on. And everyone at home, thanks for watching and hanging out. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one.